so next up is Justin Berman. He's going to be giving a talk. What is the title of your talk? View Balance Keys. So uh, for those of you that are just learning about Monero, this might be a little bit more advanced, but it's uh, a good, you know, stick around and, and try, to, try to see what you can pick up. Is it going to be very advanced or? I'm going to try and, you know, ease into it. So go like, I'll start with the whole, the whole primer on ring signatures and all that. It'll, it'll be, uh, I'll try and bring everybody along, even if you don't know anything about Monero. Okay, great. Next up, Justin. Justin, take it away, man. Thank you very much. So today I'm talking about uh, view balance keys, which are a private key that you control that lets you see all of your incoming and your outgoing transactions, but not be able to spend. So you can have this one private key that sees everything that happens in your wallet, but can't spend from it. So Today in Monero, we have uh, private view keys, which are different than the view balance key in that they only let you see the incoming funds into a wallet. And then you need your spend key to then determine when you've spent uh, the money that you've received. So, and the spend key is also used to, of course, spend. So quick intro on myself. My name is uh, Justin Berman. I go by Jay Berman on uh, the internet, and uh, I've been contributing to Monero full-time, community-funded for the past a little over a year and a half now. So um, we will dig right into uh, these view balance keys and say, yeah, no worries. So, okay, a bit more background to view balance keys. So they are going to, the plan is for them to be included in a potential upgrade to Monero that is in the works called uh, Seraphis slash Jamtis. Um, so it's not, it's not something that exists today, it's something that would exist in the future. And as it turns out, they seem to be the most controversial aspect or one of the most controversial aspects about the upgrade that some people um, have voiced some negative opinions on on the internet. So. The idea with this talk, I'm hoping, is to provide a lot uh, a deeper analysis to help people um, understand that they actually do make a lot of sense, and the negatives are a bit overblown, especially when you compare them to today's view keys, and the upsides are pretty huge. So that's the main takeaway that um, I'm hoping people get from this talk, and so we will get there. Um, we don't need the slides for the next section anyway. So the next thing I want to talk about um, to give, so a nice little primer on rig signatures, which will be way more relevant later on in the presentation. So ring signatures are used in Monero to uh, provide sender privacy when you send your Monero. So basically, let's say you receive your Monero on Monday and you go spend it on Tuesday. So what happens on Tuesday uh, you have your wallet software that is sending this Monero, and what it does is it take it references your one the, your Monero that you received the day prior on Monday, um, and then goes across the blockchain and chooses 15 other Monero outputs that anyone else has received. Um, could be anyone random, uh, and it includes those in a ring along with your one Monero output that you received Monday, and so no one would then be able to tell when they see your Monero transaction go on the blockchain, which one of the 16 ring members in the ring is yours. So yours is one of 16. 
And also important note in that is that anybody else, when they're constructing their Monero transactions, will be able to include yours in theirs as well. So anyone observing the Monero blockchain is not able to tell uh, when you spend your Monero. So that is how uh, ring signatures protect sender privacy. Um, and so now bringing it back over to view balance keys and uh, some more context into, into their existence. So we went through this slide. So Seraphis and Jamtis are currently in the works uh, as a proposed upgrade to Monero. Co in the back of the room over here is uh, kind of the brains behind Seraphis. Um, and Tevador brains behind Jamtis. So the basic, uh, I mean, the whole premise in the first place of Seraphis and the exploration of it was to find a way to increase Monero's ring size a significant amount. Um, the idea is to increase them from 16, so you're not uh, including 15 others in your transactions, and increase that ring size to 128. So you'd be one of 128 when you spend your Monero. So. You can read more about Seraphis, uh, that first link there, and Tevador's the Jamtis spec is in that second link. And then I also gave a presentation at MoneroCon that uh, gave what I thought are like the, the major features included in Seraphis. And I did a kind of high level overview of each of those features and ran through them. And few balance keys were one of those that I touched on in this slide. So there is a bit of uh, repetitive stuff that will be uh, I'm getting to in the beginning of this presentation. Um, but again, like the main idea that I'm going to be getting at today is that I think they are very, very useful tools that uh, pretty much minimal no downsides, practical no downsides um, when you compare them to Monero's existing view keys today. So I'll give a deeper analysis on that to you. So we're gonna, I'm going to start with pros and cons. Pros and cons, and then I'm going to get into an analysis of today's view keys and how they work um, and highlight why some issues surrounding today's view keys and some privacy aspects to it, uh, then get into some hypothetical Seraphis view keys. So when the ring size actually increases a significant amount, what view keys that can only see incoming funds would look like in that context. And then in some hypothetical, in the, in the, the way future of Monero, um, hopefully sooner rather than later, when we have uh, full chain membership proofs, meaning that the ring size isn't necessarily just one of 128, uh, but spans the entire blockchain. So when you spend Monero, you're uh, among the set of all Monero that's ever been received in the past. So I'm going to talk about view keys and how they would exist in that context as they exist today, um, and then get back to the conclusion. So some pros. So probably the most significant pro of a view balance key, or one of the most significant, I'd say, um, they enable a fully featured and a safer, more secure watch-only wallet. So you could have a watch-only wallet that exists somewhere on some hot device on your computer somewhere that uh, you are not as secure about, and then your cold wallet signing device that is maybe could be your hardware wallet or, or some air gap device that you are keeping secure, closed off from the internet, ever connected, um, that only is able to spend. And then your watch-only wallet sees all the incoming Monero you've received. Now, with today's watch-only wallets, because the incoming view key only sees incomings, it can't calculate your balance correctly without pulling in information that your spend key pr helps provide. So at some point, you then have to load your spend key 
on some device, load it. Maybe you have your spend key in some cold storage somewhere sitting that you don't want to touch for a long time, um, which is you know the optimal secure setup. Um, so what a view balance key would provide is your ability to have this, this watch-only wallet that you would never have to consult your spend key and use it to be able to have this watch-only wallet that can tell everything that's happening in your wallet. So it's just, uh, and the watch-only wallet today is, uh, the, the UX experience, the experience is kind of a pain um, where you have to be loading that device and going back and forth, uh, loading information from your watch-only wallet to your cold wallet, back to the watch-only, and the view balance key would solve all that. Um, and it's very, it's a similar solution for both hardware wallets and multi-sig and, and the improvements they provide in those contexts. So with a hardware wallet, they have to be implemented in this way to pass this information from the hardware wallet back to the computer, back to the app, like and back to the hardware wallet. There's all these extra steps involved that make the implementation trickier. And with a view balance key, you could have that sitting on your device and just cut out all the information that needs to be passed to the hardware wallet, where the hardware wallet can exist just to sign transactions and confirm the information that you're spending in the transaction. And then with multi-sig, so you can imagine a multi-sig, a multi-signature transaction, or multi-sig setup would be, uh, for example, a two out of three. So you have three people, each with their own key, and you need two of those people to come together and spend uh, for that, to be able to spend the Monero that's in that wallet. One person is not able to unilaterally spend. So with a view balance key, um, Let's say, for example, two people get together, they spend from that wallet. How does that third person know that that Monero has been spent? They have no idea. So they're sitting in the dark. But with a view balance key, that third person is able to know this. Uh, and that, and getting deeper into the weeds of how the multi-sig is implemented, you, have, you, you would need fewer communication rounds than the multi-sig. It simplifies the approach a significant amount. So it just improves these, these various experience, user experiences in Monero a pretty significant amount. And that, to me, are, is some of the biggest upsides to it. So, and then third, which I'm going to dig a lot deeper into later in this presentation, is that they have materially similar privacy properties to today's view keys that can only see incoming transactions. So I'm going to lay out the argument and show some analysis for why today's incoming view keys are actually Technically, you are pretty much able to see a wallet's balance using them in the vast majority of cases, and it's probably might be something people are unaware of. So this is something that I'll get into and demonstrate later on. Um, the issue, though, is just you can't build a, a you can't build an app that fully relies on it. You can't build a wallet that is reliant on that get caveat because you know there are these tiny circumstances and these one-off like edge cases where it, it wouldn't work. So. Uh, and then I had a fourth point on there that was, um, I spoke on it at MoneroCon, I just want to highlight um, it. The view balance key, I, I talked about a light wallet tier and how the view balance key enables this new tier for Monero. It's not exactly the case. It doesn't strictly enable it, but the light wallet, the new light wallet tier is related to view balance keys in a way. So I just striking that from the record over here and uh, correcting that today. So now going to get into the cons of it. So. It's what people are saying that are uh, that's negative about these view balance keys. So, essentially, these view balance keys. Eventually, if once Monero does increase the ring size a pretty significant amount, the ability to determine a wallet's balance and be able to see when someone is spending Monero using just the incoming view key will get a bit weaker. Will get weaker. So, 
people are arguing that maybe within that context, um, a view balance key, you know, potentially is this one-click thing that someone would then, you know, give up and unwittingly lose all their privacy. Um, and so, if that that's something obviously that is uh, we wouldn't want to happen, so that would be pretty bad. But, you know, I would argue and counter to that. Uh, for one, with today's incoming view keys, it, it's already a possible thing. You can already one-click give up your wallet's entire balance with complete certainty by giving up your view key and all of these key images included uh, for all received outputs. Um, so, I mean, it's already technically possible to give that up and you can imagine some service that if they've maybe require you to use, to give up your view balance key in order to use their service, I mean, why not just require that as well every time you wanna use the service? So functionally, I think they're very similar. Now it's, it is worth highlighting with the view balance key um, you don't have the forward privacy. So with today's view keys, you give up that information on the spot and then all they can see in the future is all your incomings and then make the pretty accurate guesses at your spends but not know them for certain, like the user would have to then give up the key images. But regardless, I'm going to argue later on and show that it doesn't really matter how today's view keys are implemented, um, no matter, it, pr pretty much forever a user should, uh, is pretty much leaking their wallet's balance with today's incoming view key. So, and I'll get to that, so. Okay, the second, the second potential outcome that uh, people have highlighted and mentioned as a negative um, is potentially a service, a wallet service that wants to offer um, the best user experience possible would collect users view balance keys and then Every time you load your, your app, your Monero wallet, uh, it's instantly ready to go. So if anyone's used Monero, you're probably are definitely aware that uh, if you haven't used it and however long you haven't used it, you have to sit and wait um, for it to sync. And essentially what that's doing is decrypting every single transaction to see if it belongs to you since the last time you opened the wallet. So that is uh, a bit of a pain and then you also notice that if you have to restore your seed from when you initially created your wallet you'll notice you have to do that that whole syncing process so if some service were to exist that collected these view balance keys there would be no no syncing um involved whatsoever um now this is mitigated by in uh the seraphis jamtist design with a new light wallet tier so these are essentially light wallets that do this um like my monero today um does this so this new light wallet tier uh, essentially offers the that full benefit of instant instant loading um, with some pretty nice privacy properties that where that that service um, can't in all circumstances tell definitively when you receive or when you spend can't see your change so functionally it gets that user experience and should provide that will provide that user experience and so there really would be no reason unless uh, someone may be malicious uh, for collecting these view balance keys in my in my view um, because of the existence of this new tier so uh, co also presented some arguments that i link to here that you could read in that slide as well, in that uh, link as well so now i'm going to dig into today's view keys so if you recall today's view keys, they only see incoming funds and not outgoing. And so what I'm going to show is um, we're gonna walk through a sample transaction. And I think this uh, 
Um, so here we have a sample transaction that happened in August uh, 2022. And this is not, uh, I did look at chain data for, um, for this stuff, but it's not accurate stuff. I modified, there's no identifying information in this, um, but it's close to pretty much accurate for what you might, what, what might've happened. So you have one input where, so what basically happened, what we're gonna say in this transaction is that a user received 10 Monero um, and don't, they receive it from some counterparty. And so on the input side, they don't know anything about where that Monero came from. Um, and then on the output side, uh, we have two e-notes where the second one is the e-note where the user received 10 Monero. And the first one is presumably the change that went back to the sender. So e-note two in transaction A is what we're gonna refer to this as. So here, if you recall from earlier in the talk, uh, when I talk about ring signatures, so any other transaction that happens on chain can, that happens 10 blocks after uh, this, you, this user received their Monero, any single other transaction can include that Monero, um, at, at that e-note that you've received uh, in their own transactions. So I looked at the chain and I looked at, uh, around the number of transactions but if, uh, that included this eNote 2, this hypothetical eNote 2 in their transactions uh, as a ring member on their input side. So if you can see, for example, in the, the first one in the top left, you have this, this transaction that occurred in August 2022 as well. Uh, it, had, uh, it had the eNote 2 from transaction A on the input side and then no, no inputs, no eNotes on the output side that the view key is able to see. And now we have on this, this one yellow box highlighted here, um, we have this, this other green e-note of 9.2 XMR. So the user definitively received 9.2 XMR in this transaction over here. There was one input in the transaction and that in, that, that the ring in that transaction had 16 ring members in it. One of those ring members was uh, the user's e-note two. So, so there were, so these are nine transactions here. There were about 14 when I looked at chain data. This was, this was a number I found for how many times an e-note would potentially be included in, uh, in other transactions going up to a few days ago. So the latest one was uh, March, 2023. So right now I'm on slide number 11, um, highlighting this suspect transaction, the one of 14. Uh, and so again, this transaction had one input that included um, that eNote 2 from transaction A on the input side, that was one of 16. The user received 9.2 XMR in this transaction. And now another important note, so since that time, up until a couple days ago, so since August 22 when this transaction was first received by the user, there have been about 4.6 million other transactions which could potentially have included this eNote in, in them as an input side. So of those 4.6 million transactions, we were able to narrow in on just 14 uh, transactions that included it. And of those 14, only one did the user receive this 9.2 Monero in. So we can make a very highly educated guess that this 9.2 Monero that the user received in this transaction was the user's change. And the user almost very, very high, like, very high likelihood spent this 9.2, uh, this 10 XMR output that they received prior. Um, and uh, so they must have spent 10 minus 9.2, 0 0.8 XMR. So this, this other eno 2 in this transaction that is unknown, we can assume using just the incoming view key that 
it is 0.8 XMR, and the user has now spent their prior e-note, and that's all just with the view key, the incoming view key today. So I ran a simulation where I started from when this transaction's e-note was able to be included in other people's transactions, and um, ran 100 simulations, and I found that the expected number was around 12. Uh, you could expect that 12 other transactions would include um, your e-note as a ring member in their transactions, and the red line there is the actual of 14. Um, so this, this darker turquoise line is kind of the, the distribution um, showing how many times other transactions include it, and uh, that average, that expected value there was around 12. So that simulation is useful for now I'm going to talk about um, Seraphis. So in Seraphis, we have um, this, let, we're, we're going to increase the ring size from 16 to 128 is the current plan with Seraphis. And so I wanted to show hypothetically what would these incoming view keys look like uh, with Seraphis and would, they, would the incoming view keys in that circumstance be enough to protect spends and protect that information. So I made some assumptions here. Um, so going over these assumptions, because uh, a couple are pretty important. So one, I assume the transaction volume will remain the same. So I, well, basically, I ran this simulation starting from when this, this that's originating transaction in August 2022 existed, um, and then ran it up until a couple days ago. But instead of assuming that other ring sizes will be 16 in every single uh, transaction, I assume they would be 128. Um, and a couple other assumptions I made that the selection algorithm for how other e-notes are chosen and selected will remain the same, which is not going to be the case, but they will be, I think, I don't think the results would change too much. Um, as a result, I also didn't use a cryptographically secure random number generator for this presentation um, because it was, it was, took a long time, so I just used percent twister. Um, so you can take the results kind of with a grain of salt, but they are about the about ballpark figures for, for what you would expect. And so found that um, when you increase ring size to uh, 128, it's really just, it's just proportional. Um, uh, eight times 12, 96, as you expected, came out as, as 92 uh, transactions. So basically you would expect that when the user received this e-note, uh, in that transaction A in August 22, um, that around 92 other transactions would include that e-note in theirs once we bump the ring size to 128. Sure. I expect it to just be uh, proportional, 128 over 16, so times times eight. Which it was about. It was about the case. It was a little under 12. So it pretty much turned out that way. I also only did 100 simulations. But uh, so this is, this is what you got. So basically, an 8x increase of the expected number of other transactions, which would include yours um, as a ring member. So now, 92 transactions out of 4.6 million is 0.002%. Um, so that's still a pretty small number. So this transaction still sticks out as just this one of 92 in which the user received this, this, uh, this e-note. So you can see here is uh, 
92 transactions, and there's that one yellow one that kind of sticks out among these 92. And then like this would be like a grain of sand relative to the all the, the transactions that have occurred. So this that one suspect transaction from prior from ring size 16 is still pretty suspect. We could still make a pretty strong assumption with just the incoming view key for uh, that the user has now spent 10 XMR in this transaction, received 9.2 as change. Um, so now you might ask, what about hypothetical view keys in the future when Monero no longer is using uh, rig signatures, which have a small subset of um, included as them as the uh, on the input side, but instead reference all Monero that's ever been received? How would they look in that context? So here are some other uh, future assumptions that we're going to make here. So uh, in that case, Naturally, we wouldn't be able to narrow in on this subset um, of and carve out this small number of transactions to look at and say, okay, did did the user receive some Monero in, in that? So that that gets sort of that uh, the ability to do that. Um, now we're making some other assumptions here. Most people are going to be receiving their salaries uh, in Monero, so salaries are generally larger larger payments um, made in some interval, like a biweekly interval, um, and so. Surely you must say that you might say that there would be then no case to tell when the user is spending because this incoming key can't see their outgoing. Uh, and is that the case? And I'm going to walk you through an example uh, with our guy Bob here. And we are going to show, I'm going to show um, that this might not be the case. So he's receiving his salary first to the 15th of the month. So let's say on May 1st, he gets 50,000 Picaneros. Uh, and this is some point in the future. Picaneros are the smallest denomination of Monero. They are um, 12 zeros ahead. Uh, so it's like one one trillionth of Monero is uh, one Picanero. So he's getting 50,000 50, Picaneros, which is a lot of money, on May 1st. And he's going to take that Monero on May 2nd. And he's going to, to go to the store. And he's going to buy milk for 42 Picaneros. And then on May 3rd, he's going to buy a hamburger for 316 Picaneros. So what does this look like with the view key? So he receives a salary first day, May 1st, 50,000 Picaneros. May 2nd, he goes and buys some milk uh, for 42 Picaneros. So what does this look like with the incoming view key? You still see this, this other e-note in the transaction. That's 49,900 something, ignoring fees. Uh, Picaneros, which and fees are public, so you can just subtract. It's not it does not really relevant. Um, but basically, you'll see this this value of forty nine thousand nine hundred something that is pretty close to uh, pretty close to the fifty thousand that the user received. Knock someone out of their chair. This is, this stuff is riveting stuff. So um, forty nine thousand nine hundred something, and then he goes and buys the hamburger uh, with his Monero that he got from his salary, and now that comes out to forty nine thousand. Uh, 600 something Picaneros. Um, and so this is what it looks like with an incoming view key. Now, it's pretty clear. It's not as though Bob is receiving his entire salary um, every single day, May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. I mean, it's a pretty easy deduction to, uh, to conclude that Bob is probably spending um, a small amount of his salary on the next day and then the day after. So even in this context of Full chain membership proofs where you can't zero in on the input side, there is still a, a decent amount of information leakage because of these change outputs. And perhaps 
one could argue maybe there are some mitigations to this. Like maybe Bob could receive his e-notes in smaller denominations and so have tons of smaller e-notes. And so spending from those e-notes. So for example, Bob gets 10 e-notes of 5,000 Picaneros each. So when he goes and buys the milk, um, it's pulling from the 5,000. And so maybe this smaller Monero is something somebody else sent him um, of 4,900 4, Picaneros. It could help in certain cases, but definitely has some drawbacks. For example, I mean, how do you know what's the right denomination? How do you know how, how large or small to go? That's a, that's a difficult, that's dependent on market conditions. And then also naturally you have, you have to put more e-notes into the chain, which adds data to the chain. Um, and it's, def, it's still not going to help in every circumstance. And so it's, it's probably still in Bob's interest to um, assume that in his threat model, if he's giving up his view key, he should still be assuming he's leaking a lot of information about his spends. Um, so what a user maybe could do, uh, as, as has been argued before, is maybe they could sweep every single e-note that they've ever gotten and have no change ever, so that the view key would then not be able to tell um, exactly how much change was sent because there is no change. So, but what if you want to buy milk? Then in that case, you have all these e-notes and they're not denominated in the right amount to be able to buy your milk. So then, then you're screwed. So it just doesn't work. It can't work in that context. Uh, and then how about a view key that can't see change? So different from today's view key, a view key that is not able to see the change e-note created in every transaction and actually, um, this tier is uh, part of the proposal of Seraphis and Damtis to include this, this view received here that can actually do exactly this. But the main point that I want to argue and hope that you take away from this um, presentation is that when we compare view balance keys that can see all uh, incoming and outgoing transactions to today's view keys that can see only incoming with, with those caveats, um, I think the view balance key is offers uh, significant upsides and these drawbacks are from a privacy perspective and all, and the concerns that uh, that were raised are uh, I view them as as pretty minimal slash impractical and so for that reason I think uh, view balance keys are pretty great questions Thank you. Um, it's a question I'd like to really ask to every single speaker is um, we're talking about all the opportunities about cryptocurrency and what have you at the moment. Um, I don't think anyone's addressed um, the whole digital ID biometrics and potentially needing to use that to get online and where crypto will be when, if and when they do do that. Um, to me, it seems like it will just become a dead end. Uh, welcome your thoughts. So in my defense for not covering that, I wanted to get into something very, a very particular thing in the, in this is, but anyway, um, so digital ID and thoughts on, uh, that being required everywhere. Um, actually, a pretty, pretty interesting thing. So um, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to get uh, free in and out one time. Um, in, I, I'm from California. Uh, and so I'm like, yeah, sure. Who would want it free in and out? I love in and out. So we go to in and out. And 
find out that to get the free in and out, you have to sign up for this app and scan your face to use it. Um, and I didn't do it. That, that's like, uh, I'm not doing that. This is, that's, that's, it's weird. But you can imagine you know, these incentives at play that, that get people to do it. I mean, um, you just you just got to say no to that to that it's up to it's up to people to 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 not to not give in to that like and and to you know to use technology i mean i'd say use cash and try and try and push for merchants to accept monero and to accept uh and to not go in that direction i mean i i, I mean crypto like monero is It'll I, it'll never be designed as a system that requires an ID to use. Like it's never going to be baked into its its protocol to like it's, it's a permissionless system that. No, I mean yeah. The, the what if the government requires everyone to sit in their pods all day and like do nothing? Like there's it, always like. Like it's it's up to us to to say we don't want that and to to push for alternatives and and go to and spend your money in places where that's not uh where that's not pushing in that direction and I think I think that's uh I mean the best thing we could do is in working on Monero is to provide this alternative to that where you have this this money that's not giving any information about yourself when you're using it in different places ideally with the best user experience possible that makes it easy for anyone to use and, and come to who wants to wants to go in that direction and merchants to accept it and like push in that direction and you know build a better alternative to to that potential future i think that's it's the best we can do i don't know uh it's uh, ultimately it's gonna be up to people to say no and so in the social realm and political realm at, at to you know to to stop that and i and i think these tools is in cryptocurrency is tools and promoting these circular economies and going to merchants is, is probably the best best way to fight that long term. I think build up build up businesses and build up uh, these things that are that are hard to stop as they reach some critical mass. It's my view. Nice, nice. Any other questions? Come on up, guys. Uh, getting back to view keys, uh, do you think that there's a legitimate risk that? let's just say shitty wallets, uh, will use the view balance key instead of a more proper lightweight wallet key with Seraphis, just either due to incompetence or malice? You know, it's, it's possible. Yeah, I, th I think, I, I mean, I said earlier, like it, it could be a malicious, a malicious wallet that comes along. But I mean, a malicious wallet can also, or an incompetent wallet can collect your seed and, and also do that too. So like it's, it's up to like ultimately it's up to users to protect their their seed and protect their private information and make the the conscious choice to use the wallets that uh prevent that and, and don't do that so i think uh yeah there, there's risk to it but i mean in from the technical perspective of like what that kind of wallet would provide to the user is the whole the whole point of this light wallet here is to enable like still still have some outlet of like, there'd be no reason, there'd be no reason aside from incompetence or malice, like they won't necessarily win because they're offering a better user experience that they'll win on, on like, I don't know, marketing spend or whatever, um, and people not caring. 
follow up? One more question. So have you done an analysis yet where you've used the uh, forthcoming Seraphis lightweight wallet scanning key where there is some obfuscation built in um, compared to the current view key where you would try to do heuristics at investigating change in that case or have has that not been investigated the full success? So it has not been investigated the full. I, I want to. I'm hoping. I'm hoping by MoneroCon. Uh, it's the, the the talk that I'm I'm gonna hopefully dig into at that, and hopefully I get to the point of digging in the analysis on that end. But there are other issues too. I mean, there it's not it's not a perfect solution. I wouldn't. I still wouldn't say that the, this light wallet tier is protecting everything. Um, it's still. I mean, the light, this light wallet server can be analyzing when you're using the wallet. If the light wallet server at some point finds out about your address, um, it can it will know your incoming, not your not your change. Uh, but I mean, there there are still there's still definitely some privacy caveats to it. It's still it's not it wouldn't be like the best. Uh, still, I mean, the ultimate recommendation is to be running your own infer, your own your own node, and, and it, I would think a, a light wallet server or something along those lines. The heavy hitters got got a lot of questions for you, Matt. So as we're discussing the privacy impacts of view keys and how you claim how view balance keys are not a significant uh, real world privacy impact, the obvious question is why have view keys at all if they are a privacy impact? It's true. Um, it is a it's I think that's a, a discussion potentially worth having. Uh, like I, I think um, the use cases, the benefits of being able to have a hot wallet that has no spend key in it is, you know, that that's, I mean, that is the, the most secure possible setup you can possibly have. So if you don't have a view key like thing, or if you don't have a view balance like key, you lose the ability to have the most secure setup possible. So there are, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's issues, but like, I think like, I think those benefits are, uh, are pretty, pretty huge. <laughs> so. Well, clarifying, I think the argument shouldn't be that view keys as they exist today versus view balance keys. I don't think like the future parity is close enough with the benefits of view balance keys winning out. If any, if anything, the argument should be that if there were an argument, it would, would be my, my view. Yes. Uh, hi. Uh, the question is, um, uh, the, the two questions actually, first question. Do you consider to have this view of keys as um, some sort of uh, public audit uh, wallets that, for example, some public organization want to have to have a transparent funds, if you consider this as a legit uh, use case? And if you consider it, um, how you see the, about the problem that um, those outputs that uh, created by uh, to these wallets, they became doxed, and uh, do you think you should mark them somehow to exclude them from the core set for the future transactions. That's it. So, okay. So, first question on if I think it's a valid use uh, for some organization, some transparent organization to share this key. And so then anybody can see the funds going in and out of that organization. Yes, I do think that's a valid use case. For example, um, the Monero Dev Fund. Uh, I think, I mean, that's a, a public donation vehicle that people are, are sending Monero into it. it. It makes sense that people would want to know how that Monero is, how the Monero that they're sending into it is being used by the Dev Fund, would want to know that it hasn't been, the money hasn't been run off with. 
Um, so that view balance key enables, enables that, which is, I think, a, a valid use case. Now, the problem uh, that you mentioned of now you're able to tell when a lot of Monero is spent, and then this issue of, so today you have your ring size of 16, um, and you're one of 16. Now, if anybody can see and knows which of these 60, others, the other 16s that your wallet has chosen are already spent, uh, your ring size effectively decreases. So um, Andre was talking about the potential issue of, you know, you have these large organizations that uh, could pollute the set, and maybe there'd be a way to um, exclude them from your wallet. That's a, it's a discussion that's come up. I've seen it. There, there's a tool, actually, um, the a blackball tool. You can, you can blackball specific outputs, and you can prevent your wallet from ever using it. No one's used it. Um, as far as as far as we know, there's talks to to get rid of it, and there's like this that that suggestion has come up in in a lot of different contexts recently in TX Extra of excluding those at, those e notes from it potentially miners you know when they're spent like it it goes I think I think that direction is a very difficult engineering direction to go because you know the the use cases just expand and expand um, so I think the best the best direction that we could we could head to, we could head in, um, best engineering solution is to increase the ring size as much as we can, prevent prevent the issue from having it as material of an impact, uh, and then eventually work towards the full chain, full chain membership proofs is the best, is, is the best direction. I think it's, I think otherwise we'll end up spending a lot of time, cycles wasted on solutions that are just uh, ever expanding and really difficult to maintain and, and so with poor experience for the users too. So that's, that's my view. Great questions. Anybody else? Any, or oh, got one more? Hi, Justin. Hello. Thank you for talk. Uh, I'm Saul from Zano team. Uh, I have, uh, I'm, I'm not sure am I allowed to ask a very technical question, but I uh, would like to you to elaborate a little bit about using two um, elliptical curves. I saw you in Jamtis. You're using curve 255.19 and AD 255.19. Could you please elaborate on this a little bit? And um, what would be downsides of using only one AD 255.19? Thank you. Sure. So the idea with um, using X25519 for a key exchange um, is that the speed up for key exchange is much more significant with X25519, so we can have a, a much more significant speed up on the scanning side. And as far as I understand, code would be able to give a, a better answer on this if he's talking later. But as far as I understand, X25519 is more performant for signatures, um, and then X25519 more performant for key exchange. So you know how you have all those, those ECDH, um, ECDHs that the wallet has to do when scanning X25519 can provide a speed up of something pretty pretty significant on that end. So that's the that's the thinking behind it. I'm tempted to allow these questions to keep on going. We're getting, you're getting all the heavy hitters here, man. Uh, any any more big questions that we don't want to miss? Anything? All right, everybody, let's give it up for Justin Berman. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much.